I'm Nick Law, and you're listening to the Hop Forward Podcast, getting you ahead in the brewing and beer business. Hop Forward is a weekly podcast dedicated to the craft beer industry, featuring interviews, discussions, and stories from the whole brewing supply chain from grain to glass. So grab yourself a glass, pour yourself a beer, and get ready to hop forward in the brewing and beer business. Welcome to the Hop Forward Podcast. <laughs> oh, excuse me. Well, happy Caskmas, everyone, if you're listening to this in England. I am emphatically not in the pub right now. But tomorrow, tomorrow is a different story because one of my favourite local pubs is reopening its doors and I shall be taking a little scenic walk for a golden pint of cask ale down at the slaughtered lamb. So I'll keep off the moors, stick to the roads and wish me the best of luck. Okay, so my local isn't quite as far away as Crickadan, but if you've caught the references by now, you'll know that I am indeed referring to the 1981 horror black comedy in American Werewolf in London. I've still no idea to this very day why my parents allow me to watch that film. Like, I just don't know, but I remember being exposed to it as a really young child and being absolutely terrified of Jack as he started appearing to David as a gradually rotting, reanimated corpse. <laughs> this is between me and the old man. I'm not trying to make you feel bad. Because I know you listen to this podcast sometimes. But I'm pretty sure I had nightmares for weeks about that. And yet, as he grew up, I strangely have fond memories of this werewolf film. Too frightening to be a comedy and yet too comic to be a horror. It's moments like these and interests we take in our formative years that tend to shape us in our adulthood. And for one such brewer, the lure of black comedy, 50s and 60s Americana and horror films have intermingled with a love of craft beer and brewing to give rise like a full moon on a cold Halloween night to an American brewery in London. During his five years as head brewer at London Brewing Co., Rich White, originally from upstate New York, was able to help it grow from a tiny kitchen brewery to a full-size production facility, creating amazing award-winning beers that sold all over the UK, as well as, at one time, even simultaneously taking over 10 taps at 200 Nicholson's pubs in London. Rich has brewed collaborations that have even gone as far as Finland and the USA, brewing some of the first well-received modern sour beers here in the UK, as well as their award-winning 100 Oyster Stout. With the brewery, Rich was invited to serve 100 Oyster Stout on cask at the Guinness Brewery in Dublin as part of their prestigious International Stout Day and was even the first cask tapped at St James's Gate Brewery since they'd moved to kegs in 1963. Recently, though, Rich has taken his love of werewolves, creepy clowns, zealous zombies and all things horror and is now raising funds for an American brewery in London. Werewolf beer has been moving slowly along due to COVID-19, but is now ready to charge ahead like the Night of the Living Dead with support from beer fans from across the globe through an ambitious crowdfunding campaign to give rise to a brewery unlike any other. An Americana-themed tap room complete with US snacks and its own, wait for it, haunted ghost train is coming to Camden Town and I caught up with Rich to find out about the perils of crowdfunding and launching a new brewery in the midst of a pandemic. 
However, our conversation takes twists and turns like a spooky roller coaster as we discuss brewery themes, beer styles, reactions on social media, and so much more. If you're interested in finding out more, connecting with Rich, and you want to support Werewolf Beer's crowdfunding campaign, then head over to crowdfunder.co.uk forward slash werewolf beer and give generously. But whatever you do, don't feed him after midnight. Hello, I'm Linda from the Flavour Forward Draft Apothecary Brewery Market in Twickenham and we're here to encourage people to drink differently um, through engaging and inspiring the senses. The beer we've picked this week is uh, Dance Macabre from Unity in Southampton. Southampton is a place very close to my heart so I was really excited to find out back in 2016 that there was a craft brewery opening there uh, down by the docks which was amazing. 2016 uh, was very you know early on in my craft beer discovery days so Southampton holding you know such a big part of my history I've lived there I've lived in Romsey I was really looking forward to tasting these beers. I was even more excited when I found out that they were Belgian influenced beers as well. So that really fitted in with us and certainly our range at the shop as well. We have a very heavy Belgian focus and uh, we buy a lot of Belgian influenced beers. So these guys, they're big on flavour um, and they're sort of dedicated to, to that sort of flavour forward thinking as well, which is fantastic. They really love that collaborative culture as well, which is also another reason that we love the uh, the craft beer scene and the craft beer culture. Um, so yeah, these guys make really interesting beers. But uh, they have loads of collaborations with really awesome people. And uh, this beer, the Dance Macabre, it is actually also a collaboration uh, with River Coffee Roasters. I'll talk about those guys in a minute. But um, if you are near Southampton, you should definitely head over that way now because they've just opened up um, in in a new uh, location where they've got like an on-site tap room. I haven't been there myself yet due to lockdown, but obviously... Anything from their core, their their core, you can get at Brewery Market. They've got the Conflux Pale and the Collision IPA, which we absolutely love. Oh no, almost forgot. Yeah, the absolutely be- best bit about Unity um, is because the um, investment that they raised back in 2019 for the new site was done by crowdfunding. Basically, uh, they say that over 300 people <laughs> own. <laughs> Uh, and an employer of seven staff look that they you know they're really invested in listening to the, to the people that invested in them um, and giving back that way which is awesome has totally um, totally reflected in their name of course unity i was just quickly reading a quote here from jimmy hatherley who says beer is unique in bringing people together as a result of bringing ingredients together at unity produce modern craft beer to make people feel good united and satisfied isn't that awesome now, not only are Unity doing great things, they're also collaborating with people doing great things. And um, River Coffee Roasters, who are based in Winchester, they um, gave the coffee beans for this 
beer to be brewed with. Not only are these guys spending time with producers, um, in coffee producers in Latin America, they're also helping um, producing sustainable packaging. And a bit like Brewery Market, you can go there and get yourself a two kilogram reusable tub and you just take it back and fill it with coffee anytime and you can have all different blends that they're making and they're, they're helping people in these communities uh, that are producing coffee so big up to River Coffee UK in Winchester okay so the beer we are having is a Baltic Porter brewed by Unity in Southampton it's called Dance Macabre it's a 7% maple iced latte Baltic Porter. Mm-hmm. Tiny bit about porters or Baltic porters. So, back in the day of Jack the Ripper, there would have been uh, stouts and porters. A stout would have been a stronger porter. Um, then people from the Baltic region really liked stouts, and they took the recipes back there. And um, but they began brewing them with their local ingredients and one of their local ingredients of course is a lager yeast because lager at yeast uh, brews at lower temperatures and a bit quicker and this is where the Baltic porter came from it's not just because it's really cold or you don't just drink it really cold <laughs> um, and, but people always call this a, de- a winter beverage that's something I really want to challenge, especially with this beer, because I think this is a delicious beer for the summer. So they brewed it with their friends at River Coffee, and they say they conditioned it on their freshly roasted, hand-selected whole bean coffee and maple syrup. And there's a little quote, no matter one's station in life, the dance macabre unites all. How very true. Let's get this beer open then. The smell of coffee has just exploded from the can. It's amazing and it pours really thick for a porter. It's got a really treacly dark, thick tan head as well, which actually, obviously the amount of alcohol that that head's going to dissipate pretty quickly, but actually it's holding quite well, but it's sticking to the glass amazingly. Oh, smells treacly, smells tarry. I'm not really getting much maple on the nose. Just going to go in for a quick sip. Mm. mouthfeel is on point guys with this one mm. chocolatey coffee roasty it's nice and bitter from the coffee it's not too bitter on the aftertaste which is really nice and it's not overly sweet actually the smell really reminds me uh, of a guinness bizarrely and actually i was thinking as well southampton i can't help but think about southampton not think about the football team there after having lived there for so long a quick google tells me that they're 14th in the premier league at the moment i think this would i think this would pair great with a uh, a football match a couple of um a couple of cans of this in front of the tv that would be nice what i am going to recommend you pair with this though is something like ice cream vanilla ice cream it's going to go great with maybe have it like an affogato i think pour a little bit of it over your vanilla ice cream but i recommend having this in the summer actually i recommend having this you know maybe with some ice in it maybe some whipped cream on top even 
I definitely recommend having some biscotti and some, I think pistachio biscotti is going to be really nice and really dip it in the beer, really soak that biscotti in the beer, that's going to be amazing. Share that amongst four people, it's a fun thing to do at a barbecue, this is definitely the right beer for that for that experiment and don't you don't just have to drink stout in the winter just because it's a baltic porter it's going to keep you nice and cool in the summer and by the time it warms up it's going to be like a different drink at the end of the glass it's going to be amazing give it a go okay i hope you've enjoyed it uh, this week and remember to please drink differently thanks guys thanks for that linda make sure you check out what's on the taps and in the fridges at brewerymarket.co.uk but before you do like trawling through rate beer to find that one beer you had at a beer festival back in 2003 as a retrospective check-in and reading all the fine print as you try to desperately remember what that beer was because it was so amazing here's all the necessary blood if you like the Hot Forward podcast, then follow us on all the socials at Hot Forward Beers. Subscribe to the show and leave us a review on iTunes and Spotify and all of the good podcasting platforms. And visit our website, hotforward.beer, to connect with us and find out how we can help you get ahead in the brewing and beer business with branding, creative media and business consultancy for breweries, bars, bottle shops and supply chain businesses. For now, grab a beer and let's crack open today's discussion. Today on the Hot Four Podcast, I'm joined by Rich White, an American brewery in London. Hello. Hi, uh, hi, Nick. Thanks for having me on. That's okay. How's it going? Uh, good. A bit, uh, a bit frantic. Yeah. Um, yeah, uh, you've uh, you obviously you brew uh, yeah. and you brew commercially, so you know what uh, starting your own uh, your own thing up is like. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> pretty nuts. What I mean, what what have you been up to this week? So uh, the bulk of it has been um, crowdfunding, which I've now found is a lot harder than you would think. Yep. Um, so any anybody that ever tells you it's just free money can uh, can get stuffed. Yep. Uh, because uh, basically I'm spending uh, probably a solid five hours uh, chasing social media and putting my hand out to people I haven't seen in 20 years. Yeah. Uh, so a lot of that, which then includes doing design work and emailing back and forth. Um, so yeah, that's just all encompassing. Um, on top of that, uh, actual getting brewery open stuff yeah. uh, is, is happening. So we're at the point where I've finally seen inside the railway arch i'm taking over which uh, they've done nothing yet uh that's always helpful isn't it <laughs> oh it's it's fantastic i mean i i knew going in uh, basically nobody's been in this location for at least i don't know 30 years mm. um so they said don't worry we'll refurb the whole thing and it'll be great um and they they keep finding out more and more that it not going to be as great as they thought it was going to be yeah uh, so it uh, it doesn't have electricity <laughs> that's uh, that's always helpful but but that's fine because they can put in electricity yep. but it's not everything else yeah except it doesn't it doesn't have drainage mm. so they, they've got it they've got to do that but wait it doesn't even have water so, oh. 
So yeah, the um, the Arch Company. If anybody's, uh, especially probably uh, brewery people will know, are you know they they run all the the railway arches, and um, they've uh, I, I think they've unfortunately bit off more than they could chew on this one because it's getting really pricey for them. Right. Uh, but they've they said they've paid the deposits on it. Uh, the next thing is getting the local council, which is Camden, uh, to shut down the street for them to install all of this. Wow. The whole street. Uh, yeah, it's not. It's not a big street. I mean, it's a, it's a side street, but it's still a through route and like a shipping route. Yeah. So, uh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> wow. I mean, there's a couple of things um, to talk about there, um, and we, we, I do want to get onto the subject of the, the actual brewery itself and what you're doing yeah. in London. But um, just as you're saying that, I remember um, looking at railway arches myself. This is when Network Rail owned them, and um, you know, and, and I didn't go through it in the end. But I know people that have, and the the you know your your story is not too dissimilar to theirs in terms of having you know wrangling over what is installed and them saying oh yeah we'll do this that and the other, and it not happening. Um, but you know, and then a lot of people got stung, didn't they? When um, the what are they called now the the arch company or um, you know uh, the, the new company um, took over and and hooks up prices and stuff. I remember there being a, a, a massive um, hoo-ha online about it from brewers saying like, well, what's going to happen to our rent prices? Which obviously in light of COVID, you know, um, now seems somewhat trivial, but at the time, you know, it was like, goodness, our prices could go up massively. Yeah, mine mine luckily, um, I, I'm set for a while, but we'll, we'll see what happens. Um, COVID has changed a lot of that because... Um, they've had so many people going out of business or not being able to pay rent. They're having to, uh, they're having to change what they do a bit. Um, and if, uh, if you're listening to this and you are a railway arch tenant, um, and you're not a member of guardians of the arches, uh, I suggest you check them out, mm. um, and join up because, uh, they've been, uh, fighting all through lockdown, um, to get people's rents reduced or forgiven and get government support and basically do some collective bargaining with the arch company and TFL and network rail. So, um, yeah. Yeah, we, we'll see. I'm I'm signing a nine year lease, so right. Who knows? Yeah, <laughs> uh, that that does not mean it's not going to increase over the nine years, but it's already it's already eye watering. So you know how much worse could it get, right? <laughs> Famous last <laughs> words. Well, we'll talk about the brewery. I do want to come back to the crowdfunding yeah. campaign um, yeah. and and touch upon some things that I said at the start. But um, like, how did you up in London? And at first, that strap line, American Brewery in London. I've just got to say, when I was I don't know, probably about eight or nine. I remember, for whatever reason, unknown to me, my dad showing me um, that film American Wealth in London, and it scared the absolute crap out of me. I mean, I was a kid, you know, and those bit, those scenes with Jack where, like, you know, he's sort of, like, decaying, and he's in that cinema, and he's just like a skeleton. Like, I had nightmares about that for, like, weeks. <laughs> it's, um, yeah, it's, it's the same... Uh... It was one of those films that got showed on like Sunday afternoons in the U.S. Right. Um, like on TV, like over and over again. Obviously, heavily edited. Mm. Um, you know, you could you could show people getting eaten, but uh, you know, there's there's quite a few boobs yep. uh, that you get taken care of. Um, yeah. So it was something. It's something that's always been swimming around in the back of my head, um, and came to the forefront when when coming up with a brewery concept. Mm. Um, so the, the, I was just kind of sitting there one day and 
I'd gone through a lot of, a lot of names that really like I had to, I thought they were really clever. And then I told people and then had to explain them repeatedly. So they definitely were too clever <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> or just, or just crap. Um, and yeah, so, uh, being an American in London, this American brewery in London came through and all of the places that I wanted to work with, um, and start collaborating with are coming to me without being asked. Right. So, so far, uh, I've had a chat with Trader Vic's. So, uh, who are obviously mentioned in uh, Werewolves of London by Warren Zevon. Mm. Uh, so they want to do something. I got a message from the Dev in Camden, yep. which is the the famous uh, rock and roll and metal bar, um, Passyunk Avenue. Uh, who I think uh, when this goes, we'll still be running a giveaway um, and including some of their stuff in the rewards for the crowdfunder. Um, the best American restaurant in the UK, I imagine, if. Uh, but definitely London, uh, which it's a Philadelphia cheesesteak and wing place. That sounds good. It's it's really <laughs> it's really good. Um, and you can get the the thing we're giving away is a, they do love boxes, love bundles. Mm. So basically, they mail they mail it to you like next day delivery, and you even like bake the bread and everything. Yep. For the cheesesteaks, nice. and they are they're phenomenal. They're really really good. Mm. So, I mean, ju just take us back. Like, how how did you end up in the UK, and what what's your background in terms of like brewing and stuff? Sure. Um, the the UK thing was uh, as like a thirty something American, I, I decided I should probably join the, the the greater world community and get a get a passport. Yep. <laughs> uh, so I got the passport. And I'm like, where the hell should I go? Um, and so uh, between, where are you from? Like, uh, so New York, right, upstate, okay. so yeah. Syracuse area, um, almost Canada. And, uh, and yeah, I'm like, Oh, you know, England topped the list for a few reasons, probably because I watched far, far, far too much young ones and red dwarf. And uh, yes, mate. You're talking my language. Yeah. <laughs> I was saying something <laughs> yesterday. Um, that, that uh, my favorite scene from red dwarf is the bit with the cat when it's like, that's man, that's man, that's man, except that bit. I don't want that bit. Classic. <laughs> I, I could, I could go for, for days. <laughs> yeah. For days. So we're not even going to go there. <laughs> yeah. um, but the other thing, the other thing was I'd kind of recently gotten into Frank Turner. Yeah. Um, if you're familiar with him, he's kind of a, a punk folk, crossover artist that's done quite well for himself and is like one of those people that all they do is tour mm. and talk to their fans and they engage with everybody really heavily um and i uh, i booked tickets to see him when he sold out wembley arena on his own and uh i had somebody that was going to go with me and big surprise they flaked out so i went on his message board and said listen i'm coming to london on my own um who who wants to hang out? Um, I've also got a spare ticket for Wembley. And this nice woman said, well, I've been in London my entire adult life. And if you are coming, you know, I'll buy the beers. I love beer. And, you know, and this person ended up uh, taking me on and we got matching tattoos and went to Brewdog Camden and got really drunk. Um, and now we're married. Awesome. So that's 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 the, that's the long story short. Yeah. Uh, it can it can go into detail, but that's that's it. I basically moved here um, because she works for the NHS and her job doesn't exist in the U.S. Right. So so she she won, and I think it's worked <laughs> out well for me. Cool. So I mean, have you had any brewing background, experience, or like literally a home brewer, or, or what's what's the sort of score there? Yep. Uh, started started home brewing around age twenty, um, and then while 
working various day jobs. So I had health insurance and a pension and things. Mm. Um, I took on uh, brewing jobs at a number of brew pubs around upstate. So yep. uh, King Arthur's Brew Pub and Steakhouse on, on scenic Lake Ontario um, and Syracuse Suds Factory, which don't look it up. Uh, it's it, <laughs> you know I'm it, gonna look I, that up now. <laughs> it was yeah, yeah yeah no go 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 ahead and look it up. Um, it's it's in an amazing historic listed building, um, and the beer is not particularly good, but it's you know li- live and learn. So I did a lot of those kind of gigs, um, and when I moved to London, I planned on working at a credit union because that's what I did in the states, mm. um, and uh, initially got a job working at the Pelt Trader. Um, and Mark, the manager there, who is now uh, running the Evening Star in Brighton, um, messaged me and said, you know, uh, this place in Highgate, the bull is hiring. Um, and do you, um, you know, he's like, you're, you're a really good employee. I don't want to show you this, but uh, do you want to go work there? So uh, I went into London Brewing Company, which was at the bull at the time, and uh, got hired as assistant brewer and uh, then moved on to head brewer and helped them expand into the bohemia and north finchley um and yeah so i've been at london brewing company for the last right. five years okay uh, oh, oh i presume all the time with this idea of setting up werewolf beer um it really came in towards the end because uh there was a lot going on with london brewing and i was really happy and we did a lot of really cool stuff um, so, uh, yeah, it was just the, the last couple of years, I think the five, five years at any place, um, it's either, you know, move up or move out. And yeah. I was already head brewer and, um, you know, the beer scene had matured to a point where it wasn't just skyrocketing, you know, you, you can't just build and build and build, uh, in all circumstances. So we were kind of the size we were going to be, mm. uh, uh, so it, it was time to it was time to move on and uh, past age 40. It was the um, if I'm going to do this, uh, it's now or never. Yeah. Yeah. Let, let's go back to the crowdfunding because I thought it was interesting what you said at the start. Um, just as we open our conversation about all the stuff involved, like because I think there is a real huge misconception that oh, I'll just put some, you know, hoodies and glassware and whatever online. And, you know, if you build it, they will come kind of attitude towards but having worked on crowdfunding campaigns but both with you know the beer industry and in the music industry it's so it's there's a lot of hard work and graft you've got to do up front before you even launch a campaign to get those sales in so I'd, I'd love to hear your experience of what you've learned and um, maybe pass on some of that knowledge and wisdom to other people uh, yeah I, I absolutely the um the first thing is when you see these uh, established, uh, specifically brewery crowd funds, uh, you know, smashing their targets or hitting them really early and things like that, um, the one thing to remember is they have a brewery, they have product, and they already have customers yep. that they can tap into. In my case, I don't have a brewery unless you count all the equipment that's sitting in a shed in Kent. Yep. Um, and I don't, so I, I don't really have any uh, beer that I can offer anybody. Um, and uh, nobody knows me from Adam. Yeah. So, so I'm really, really, really on the back foot. Um, so it's, it's a lot of people really close to me right now. Um, but yeah, it's, um, I, I did a lot as far as figuring out, you know, uh, what the target was and reverse engineering, what spread of price points and products we're going to need, what the costs of those are. Um, I've got a lot of friends and family in the U.S., and so I've got to worry about 
UK shipping, international shipping. Mm. Um, so there are spreadsheets uh, on, on top of spreadsheets on top of spreadsheets. It's like Inception. <laughs> and <laughs> yeah. and uh, yeah, so it's I mean that that's kind of the big first hurdles. Um, and then now once it's once it's launched, you know, the first couple of days, I'm like, yeah, we're at we're at five grand. So you know, it's uh, the the dashboard in Crowdfunder is telling me based on this growth, I should have like half a million pounds by the end. <laughs> um, and obviously that tapers off, and we're kind of in middle middle land now. Um, and it's it's not that, and it's saying I'll probably hit around thirty grand, which is what I'm gonna what I'm planning on. But there's no there's no letting up. There's no stopping. It's taking a look at what's happened every day and uh, and adjusting for the next day and then having to wake up and execute whatever the things that you uh, looked at the night before were. And yeah. it's adding adding new rewards, figuring out what's working, what's not. Um, and then, you know, where 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 you have to engage people. I mean, I'm my, my poor friends and family are probably sick to the back teeth with me. Um, so it's trying to get strangers right now. Yeah. And, uh, you know, this is, this is one way, which is kind of engaging people that care about beer. Um, another is I've got an ad coming out in, uh, a magazine from the American hour that goes out to about 20,000, um, Americans in the UK next week. And I've got a full page ad in that. So we're going to see, if that gets me anything, mm. um, Frank Turner, who I talked about before has, I don't know, 200,000 followers on Twitter. And, uh, he was nice enough to send out a thing saying, uh, my friend, Rich is starting a new brewing venture. Please go here and support him. And I think maybe after that, maybe like 70, 70 quid came in. Right. So it's, and it's, you can lead a horse to water, but you can't make him drink. Mm. Yeah. I mean, effectively what you're doing, you're, you're building a brand from scratch um and you know you, you've got to give people enough of a reason who like you say who don't know you from adam to, to really tap into that brand and to that narrative and um you know I, th I think a lot of people think um particularly newer breweries think it, it is easy money when it you know it really isn't i mean one of the things i learned is one of the things you should do really early on is is before the campaign goes live is to prime some people who you know are going to contribute and say, look, when this goes live, can you put the money down early on? And you've got to be really direct and ask people for money. And I think, I mean, I don't know how different it is in the States or other places in the world, but I know in the UK there's, there's a real taboo around asking people for money. <laughs> you just, no, <laughs> no, it's, it's, it's the same everywhere. Right. And I always said, I always said I wouldn't, do crowdfunding because I thought it was kind of like it was a it was a bit of a piss take to just put my hand out and say hey would you like to start my business for me yeah um, and you know uh, that's why I'm glad we're offering rewards uh, rewards but it honestly it yeah it's uh, we, we primed people um, in the US uh, asking for money to start a business isn't such a big thing. It's mostly, you know, uh, helping somebody ill that can't afford health insurance, hmm. uh, sadly. So it's it's a bit more of a, it's a bit of a different situation there. So my American friends are like confused. Um, yeah, the so we had, I had people ready to go. Um, and one of the problems was I was asking people and I was being so polite about it and trying to indirectly say, you know, I'm looking to see what people would be willing to put in for what kind of rewards and whatever. When what I was trying to say is, I want your money. What do you? What do I need to 
do to make you give it to me. Yep. And I was doing it so politely. People thought I was genuinely asking for crowdfunding advice. Right. And so I had people like working up spreadsheets for me going, these are the ones I've done in the past. And, did the, and I'm like, oh, crap. I had like 10 people. They, they've all donated now. But my wife had to say, you have to ask for money. They think you're asking for advice. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, one of the things I learned in a, a previous job, this is when I, I had a brief stint working for a record label. Um, you know, they, they've crowdfunded a lot for their artists over over the years. And um, the, the head honcho, Andy, a good friend of mine, would say, you know, like, you, you've, you've just got to be really direct with people and you, you've just got to come out and ask them. And it's and it does feel uncomfortable, ask, particularly if they're your friends and stuff. It's a bit easy to sell to strangers, you know, if you can get people on board on a, a you know a wider narrative and a and a an idea but when you go to your friends capping out and you're like i don't suppose you could shout as like some cheese for you know towards this could you you know and then it's it's one thing for people to give you 20 quid or whatever but to be asking for like 500 or whatever you know it's that's that becomes a sizable investment for a lot of people you you know yeah uh, let, we, let we several, have... several grand yeah, we. I, I had. I. I've just remembered. I had uh, my wife. Uh, we. We have a friend in common. And she's like, uh, I'm gonna have uh, our our friend uh, sit you down and have a heart to heart because she's a corporate fundraiser mm. for a for a charity, and she's like, you have to ask. You have to be comfortable with asking. You have to say, uh, how much can I put you down for? It. It has to be a, a question of how much money are you going to give me? Uh, she told me a story about uh, somebody asking for a political donation or something from a politician. And they sat there for three hours and didn't ask. And uh, one of the aides said, uh, so we've got this, this project we need money for. Um, can we get this? And they said, Oh Christ! Uh, thank thank goodness you've asked because I've been waiting for you to ask. <laughs> so people people are either going to say, "Oh, that's a good idea. I really want to give you money," or say, "You know, no thanks. That's the end of it." And nobody's nobody's taking it personally. Uh, that that's the thing. It's it's business. It's personal finance, and generally people want to see you succeed. Um, so nobody's nobody's going to be upset that you're asking. Yeah. Well, what would you say the the biggest lessons you've learned then through trying to crowdfund so so far obviously you, you, you know you, you're halfway there at the moment let's even hope by the time this podcast comes out you, you even closer um but what, what i guess are the biggest things you've learned and so far with crowdfunding um it, it's one of them is a, a knock-on from all the other things that i'm doing which is um you need help <laughs> you need you need other hands hmm. um I, I don't have any other um, business partners, and my wife is a busy, a busy professional. Um, so I did uh, early on bring in uh, Tosh Wolf. Right. Uh, so she does Crafty Beer Girls and has done yeah. stuff with What's in the Glass and whatnot, and uh, and Mother Kelly's, and she's been fantastic. Um, and honestly, if I didn't have that extra pair of hands, I could probably do with two or three extra pairs of hands. Um, but, <laughs> uh, but, but yeah, um, it, having, having that around is, is good. I'm, I'm really, I'm having a little trouble. It's, uh, it's almost being unable to shut off right now. Mm. Uh, so find ways to plan in downtime and take care of yourself. Um, if I ever, I, I would have never imagined how kind of assaulted i would feel after some of the stuff that's going on with the brewery lately um after a three-hour 
Zoom Inquisition for my uh, premises license. Um, and then this, it's just, uh, it's, it's very stressful. Yeah. You, you would not imagine how, how stress inducing it is. Um, yeah, I think, I think that's the, the biggest takeaway. Um, the, you know, uh, the other thing is make sure you're planning in for the cost of crowdfunding. So if you aim to earn 10 grand, you're not going to end up with 10 grand because you're going to have to spend money on advertising flyers, um, at, you know, Facebook, uh, ad placements and actually buying the rewards and then buying, you know, getting shipping for the rewards. And if you, you know, if you say we're going to sell 50 t-shirts, um, you're, you're going to have to probably buy a minimum order quantity. So if you only then sell 35 of them, you're going to have to pay for another 15 shirts that yeah. aren't going anywhere yet. So there's, there's a cash flow component that you need to kind of uh, work in. And then there's the crowdfunding fee as well. Uh, yeah, luckily right now they uh, they're all at zero. Oh, uh, amazing! Because of the pandemic, so it's yeah, it's really handy. Um, Crowdfunder actually was really good. They put me into they run a a program through Facebook that's like uh, two or three week intensive where they um, they've got handouts and exercise sheets and uh, strategies and they do interviews with people to talk about um, their project and what worked and what didn't. So a couple of the people in that were um, the guys from Tap Social. Yep. So uh, all their stuff was really helpful. And then um, uh, Simon uh, from Beer Boars. Yeah, so uh, stuff like that. I mean, they had, you know, uh, community initiatives and, and you know, people starting small businesses. Uh, but there, was, there were brewery things in there. So it was specifically very... Um, and then you've got a community of people to bounce ideas off of and look at each other's projects before they go live. Um, and even some people actually threw me money. So, yeah. And, and all this is happening just to get you to the starting line. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I've, I've basically, um, I took some money out of retirement savings. Luckily I was really boring in my twenties. Um, <laughs> I mean, I didn't look boring. I probably still had a mohawk for a good chunk of it, but, um, I, yeah, I, I wasn't terribly social and, uh, and so I stuck a lot of money away. So I've got a little more retirement, uh, savings than I probably other people would have mm. families, families helped out. So that's come in and I'm having to, uh, finance some equipment. Yeah. Uh, cause that's just life. So, um, the crowd funds really to, to get a canning line in and set up, um, and fix some of the things like the fit out. Um, drainage, really exciting stuff, yeah. uh, like uh, new toilets, uh, because it's a really tiny space, and I'm rated for getting 100 people in. So um, 100 people and not enough toilets would be a pretty pretty grim tap room. <laughs> yeah. So, I mean, what, what size is the brewery going to be? What kind of equipment? I mean, I, I presume you're doing, to an extent, doing all this on a budget, right? Um. Yeah. Yeah, um, I, I stupidly thought I was gonna open a gigantic like ten hectoliter blah blah blah, mm. um, and after a few months of running around looking at property that was gonna cost me nine hundred grand a year with business rates of like three hundred grand a year, I realized I was an idiot. <laughs> <laughs> um, so I so I looked at used equipment and um, house brewing, uh, who were operating out of the Prince um, in. Woodgreen, um, they were closing up shop. They'd kind of had it in the pub and never really um, 
invested enough time in it. Mm. And so I got a five barrel, uh, five barrel, um, Oban ales kit with some really nice, um, uh, pressurized, um, FVs and cooling unit and basically everything to start brewing for a really reasonable price. Um, and just went in and took it out. I mean, pulled the electrics, the ventilation, everything out. Um, and that's sitting with my fabricator now. Right. So I've got that, uh, getting a couple more. So we'll have four or five barrel FVs, um, and, uh, the canning line, um, trying to think what else, uh, the, the railway arch, the main arch is about 700 square feet, which is not a ton. Mm. Um, but it's, uh, so again, it's, we, we didn't say it's in Camden town. Um, and I've got basically a 1400 square foot fenced yard. That's just for the brewery. Right. Uh, so we've got a lot of outside space for that'll be really handy for storage and deliveries, um, and setting up tables on a sunny day to have a really nice experience. Um, and yeah, that's, that's kind of the, the size, um, types of beers. Um, the whole thing has been America, not, not in a horrible Trump kind of way. <laughs> yeah. um, I, I, America, uh, America as a brand is a bit of a tough nut to crack as an American, not living in America, um, and having to wrestle with demons and your own feelings about mm. it. But, um, so the best parts of America, and one of those is my experience in craft brewing in the 2000s. Um, and so we're going with classic styles like American brown ales and pale ales yeah, um, and whatnot. They'll, they'll be hazy things and they'll be experimental. Uh, the experimental line is going to look at um, things that are kind of visually striking, bright colors from natural ingredients, mm. those kind of things. I don't know what you think about this, what I'm about to say. It might be a controversial comment and I might lose subscribers to the podcast for saying it. But um, I, I tend to think that because um, I, I was inspired by the American craft beer scene when I first got into brewing. And, you know, as uh, like I think Americans have been quite more advanced as far as home brewing is concerned, um, particularly, you know, between sort of 2000 onwards. And um, so, you know, what what I was seeing was all these different beer styles, like you said, like American brown ales and, you know, really like classic styles. You know, I think, is it Ray Daniels who wrote like brewing classic styles and Randy Mosher with his um, radical brewing, you know, and there's a, there's a real like array of beer styles there, you know, everything from Hefeweizens and all these classic styles where I, I feel of late that... Um, in the UK scene, obviously I can't speak for elsewhere when I'm talking about the UK scene here, there's a lot of like variations on a theme, like you said about hazy IPAs or pastry stouts. And they're all starting to blend into one another. And so, I mean, I find this with my beer collection, if I get sent beers and stuff like, you know, I get sent some cracking beers, but like the the ones I tend to leave are until last, which I shouldn't because I should be drinking fresh or like the hazy IPAs. I'm just like uh, another hazy IPA. Whereas if I get something like I got sent from um, Round Corner Brewing in Melton Mowbray from my friend Combi, he sent me a little pack of beers and uh, one of them was an American brown ale and then there was an Imperial American brown ale and I was, they were like gone straight away because they were just different. I mean, do, what what do you feel about um, the your observations between the two countries, between obviously what, what you've grown up and experienced in America and in the UK? Do, do you think that... Um, us Brits need to be a little bit more adventurous when it comes to beer styles and, and, and less worried about 
oh, if it's not pale and hazy or blonde or whatever, then we're going to struggle to sell it or... Yeah, I'm gonna uh, I'm gonna preface this with I haven't been back in the U.S. since uh, almost 2010 or so, right? Um, and I wasn't brewing as much then, so um, I really have rose rose colored glasses for the the years 2000 to 2010. Mm. Uh, but yeah, it's when I when I first got here, I mean there was like there was Brewdog and there was the Rake. And that was that was what you had for craft beer, and I got really scared that there wasn't going to be anything. And I was I had some really bad cask pints, and I'm like, oh my god, what have I done? I've moved here, <laughs> um, and it's so it's exploded since since I've been here. And um, I'm trying to think. I, I don't want to slag anybody off or say everything everything's crap because it's not. Yeah, t- um, totally. But, but it's kind of um, any any fandom or storyline or if you know if you've got X amount of kind of information and then somebody picks up at a certain point in the in the t- in the tale, it's and that's their starting point. It's going to be influenced by what they're onto. Hmm. It's like uh, it's like Doctor Who. It's like anybody that started watching it, David Tennant. So everything's going to be colored by David Tennant. Yeah, that's a really dorky thing to say, but I think it'll probably make a lot of sense. Um, and so right now, um, you know, it, it's everything is post Brewdog, I think. And Brewdog did a lot of the kind of classic American styles, um, and then a few things from the the U.S. because the U.S. hazy business and a few years ago we're on to pastry stouts but when everything was a breakfast stout and everything was a session ipa yeah uh, it, it's 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 you know photocopies of photocopies of photocopies um and it's not saying that the beer doesn't taste good um but i think the concept is it's just it's not clear mm. it's, it's it's muddy waters um and that's one of the things i wanted to make sure that what werewolf beer is doing there's a clear premise that we stick to that's easy easy to understand and give something that's a that's a bit different yep yeah i was in whitby the day before yesterday and i mean i've not been to the sea for like two years you know so we, we made the most of being able to go a bit further afield and all that and um went to this lovely little bottle shop and and i, and I experienced this in a little bottle shop i went to close to home in sheffield where you used to go back in a bottle shop back in, I say back in the day, like as if it's like, you know, several centuries ago, I'm only talking maybe even a decade, uh, but you go to a bottle shop and, and mostly what you'd find are local ales and local producers and stuff. Now I appreciate in Whitby, you've got Whitby Brewery and I think the person I spoke to who owned the shop said the next nearest brewery is in Moulton, which is quite a distance away. So there's not that many breweries in that part of the world, but like, the shelves were just lined with breweries that I knew. I'm not going to name them, but like, you know, and, and same when I went to this bottle shop in Sheffield, like it's just like can after can of like the the popular brands. Now I understand why bottle shops mostly stop, you know, the, the big hitters, so to speak, because it's like that's what sells and stuff. But I actually felt quite sad coming away. Like I bought some beers and stuff, and um, but it was like, you know, I, I really want to find something local and um or different rather than just the, the the same things i'm seeing everywhere and i think that was one of the things that attracted me to 
you know, I am going back a long time now when I first got into like drinking real ale, as it was called then. Like, you know, it, it was, you were finding like locally produced things because there weren't that many microbreweries. Um, and yeah, it's, I, I, I long to, I think it's really good what you're doing and what you're saying about American styles and stuff. Um, because I know, I know for, I had some beers from Heretic recently and I've not had beers from Heretic before. And I was just like, they're different. They just taste different, and and the, the whole feel of it is different. Yeah, that's uh, that's one of the things. And I've put it down to uh, mouthfeel for years, right? Um, and I'd almost forgotten what what it was I was missing. And mm. I went back right before um, everything went funny. Um, I went to the states uh, like last February, March. And went into Dinosaur Barbecue, which is like the best barbecue place ever. And, you know, this is like a, a greasy biker bar. And on the tap list, they've got, you know, Lawson's Finest Liquids and Bell's Too Hearted. Hmm. Um, and I, I just ordered a Bell's Amber. Like, Amber Ale bores me to death. But I, I, I ordered it, and it was the greatest thing I'd had in... 10 years right. like it just felt right and that was when i kind of said i'm gonna do this and this is this is my paragon this is what i'm trying to make happen so i'm gonna have to i'm gonna have to work really hard on process yeah uh, especially considering that i'm gonna have a non-automated very hard to uh reproduce batch to batch setup yeah so what's what sort of things then for brewing those like american styles um from a brewing point of view would you have to consider um because again i, I was talking to um, my friend linda from brewery market about um i think it, again it was about heritage beers and, and american ipas and i i think american ipas taste different than the you know the hazy english style ipas that are kind of inspired by american ipas yeah um there's just a i don't know if it's a maltiness to them i think it is it, it, I, I think it's I think it's residual sugar, right? And so, for a lot of people on the scale of what's being produced over here, and especially for the hazy styles like filtration um, and centrifuge, are not going to happen. So, stopping stopping fermentation at you know that kind of two points of gravity that you'd probably do for a cask beer going into cask. Mm. Um, if you imagine, I think. I, I could be totally wrong, and I'm sure some more technical people will yell at me. But um, you know, uh, I think the the way like Lagunitas feels, like they're able to stop it at two degrees before a terminal gravity, or yep. stop it at the, when the beer feels right, and then filter the crap out of it. And so it's not going to re-ferment in the can yep. or the bottle or the keg. Um, so that's you know, throw that in there with high mashing temps. When I was at London Brewing, I mean, I was generally trying to mash around like 69, 70. Um, whereas everything else is, you know, 64 to 66. Um, I haven't had a lot of the U.S. hazy stuff, so I don't know if it's as smooth and as thick. Um, but I feel like the, the hazy styles, even though they look like they're thick, I think they're they're quite thin. Mm. I think they're I think they're the final gravities are quite low. Yeah. Yeah, I, I mean, I don't want anyone listening to this thinking that I hate hazy IPAs. I don't, you know, and that there are some really good ones out there. Um, you know. which, which is the same with any style. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Um, 
but I, I you know, I think it's just, I just want to, I just want to see something different. <laughs> you know, I, I just, I just, I'm just really starting to long for um, breweries taking a real initiative and and being more daring rather than looking to social media and thinking what's trending right now. And this is what I applaud a brewery like Cloudwater for when um, they used to publish all their recipes for their double IPAs and stuff on their website. And so everyone had an insight how to make those massive juicy dippers. Um, but I remember them taking those recipes off and putting a post up saying, look, you know, um, one of the things we've really prided ourselves on is innovation. And one of the things we really want to champion and encourage in the beer industry in the UK is innovation. So go and innovate. And, um, you know, yeah, through innovation, there's going to be some real train wrecks. You know, you can't you can't innovate and be creative and and not make a hash of it. Um, it it's like that whole thing about uh, like Michael Jordan. You know, for, for every um, shot he takes from wherever it is, I don't know basketball that well. You know, from the other side of the court. You know, and it, and it lands in, and all the crowd goes mad. You know, in practice, he's done like a thousand shots that didn't go in. Or for every great song that insert band here has has written. You know, and they've got their greatest hits album. You know, all, all the demos and you know voice recordings of complete and utter crap. You know that um, has has gone out. You you just never hear it. But obviously, I think in the world of beer, it's a bit different because it's kind of like um, there's a real pressure once you've, particularly on smaller breweries, with the you know limited funds and cash flow and all the rest of it. You know, um, it's a lot harder to throw in. A couple of grand into a brew um you know for, from everything from ing- raw ingredients to any marketing materials etc packaging and then and duty and yeah, duty. And, Don't and, yeah, yeah and beer duty which is a ma- well <laughs> massive ma- massive thing you can't just be like yeah oh, i'm gonna dump that. that's not great you know there's a real pressure to put it out so i suppose it's a little bit like um i can't remember the brewery but people know i'm referring to there's a, there was a beer that went out recently that looked like a, a zombie brain when you opened it like yeah. a, you know the beer I mean, right? With the um, dinosaurs yeah. on the front, and um, you know they, they got a, an absolute load of flack for that. Some people loved it, and some people really slammed them, saying you can't send out beers in that, you know, in in that condition um, to explode in a can. And I can see it from both en- angles, and I can agree from, and disagree from both angles. Um, but you know, kudos to them for innovating and trying something different. The um, the thing on that one that so for uh, there's the good and the bad of both sides of that argument yep. but the absolute worst about that was everybody that was defend like coming up with weird uh, defenses of it being perfectly okay um, the you know geez you paid X amount for a beer and you don't even know how to store it properly mm. I mean it was I it was. I don't know. It was like some some men's rights activist level, like actually level uh, kind of mental gymnastics it took to make that <laughs> yeah. make make sense. Like if you say, you know, this is this is the way the beer is. Fine, it tastes good, and it exploded. We're sorry. Fine, that's fine. Or if you say, you know what, this shouldn't happen. Fine, but the the weird stan that came up around it uh, just seemed really odd. Yeah. I, I, I'm I'm interested off the back of that actually because um, I think there's a lot to be said about the voices commenting on social media and it's and it's funny it's a very small minority actually who are going on beer forums and commenting on stuff but they seem to shout the loudest and create the m- biggest ripple effects um, particularly as a as a brewer if you're on the receiving end of that um, 
have you had any flack or anything so far about anything and and if so how, how have you sort of dealt with that um i uh i'm trying to think i haven't had i haven't had much i mean we've only had i've only had three beers out in the wild hmm. um and they they've been really well received one of the one of the things was i sent out um coming up with names uh i wanted to make sure we had unique names hmm. that were copies of other things and um because the theme of the brewery is America, horror movies, um, and kind of, you know, uh, 50s and 60s Americana culture. Yeah. Um, you know, obviously there are there are not nice parts of all of those things. So um, I came up with a really long short list of names and then dug through and tried to figure out what was used already and what was copyrighted. Um, and weeded those out and then sent out a survey um, to as many people as possible to see how people ranked the the names I'd come up with, um, because I, I thought maybe maybe these are terrible, maybe they're too niche, maybe they're too scary, um, and I sent that out even through like the UK Craft Beer Forum. It went out to Crafty Beer Girls, um, and for the most part, uh, we got really good responses, but. Uh, there was like one response that was basically, um, I don't see what all this Americana worship is about. It's, you know, everything in America is terrible and which I'm not going to, I don't disagree, but that's kind of, uh, kind of that kind of flack. And I know early on in coming up with the concept, uh, I knew I was going to have to deal with, uh, you know, asso certain associations. Yeah. Um, but one of the, one of the pieces of advice I took um, was that not everybody is going to be into what you're doing. Yeah. Um, so that's not really a reason to not do it. Um, one of the beers we're doing is called uh, Moonstop, which if we, you know, uh, obviously this is something from the classic Spirit of '69 Jamaican skinhead style and whatnot. So if somebody wants to dig back through and go, oh, skinheads, I'm like, you know, it's it's going to be annoying, but I'm going to have to say, well, I'm sorry that you don't like it. And that's as far as it's going to go. I'm, you know, I'm not some kind of weird Nazi. I like, mm. <laughs> I like, I like reggae and oi music and it's got moon in it. And this guy, uh, Tim in North London writes horror books and he wrote one about, uh, you know, a skinhead kid. that's a werewolf this, you know, so, or horror show. Uh, which is our Rye IPA, which has reference, you know, is sort of a reference to things in a clockwork orange, which mm. has a lot of not nice things in it. Yeah. Um, so, you know, it's, it's, it's a brand and something for people to enjoy. And I don't think it's going to cause issues, but if somebody really wanted to pick apart uh, some of what we're doing, I mean, uh, horror movies and things that are a bit intense aren't always nice. And hopefully we make, things that are inclusive and anybody can get into, but it's not going to be for everybody. Yeah. And, and that's, it's, it's tough. Cause I don't want to, I want to make something that's accessible and it's no matter what it's quality beer. So if somebody handed it to you, you would drink it and say, that's a good beer. Mm. Um, but if you were going just on the brand, um, we're, we're setting up in Camden town and I've bought, a basically a haunted house ride that they tore down at, uh, Rainbow Park in Hunston um, to decorate the tap room. Nice. I see, I see, duckling. <laughs> so this is, you know, uh, if you're going to do a gimmick, 
do it. Yeah. Do it right. It's, and that's what I'm doing. Yeah. No, I, I, I well, I, I'll, I'll just share a bit of my background and story because I could totally relate to that. So uh, I, I used to work for a church years ago. And I left the mega church to start a microbrewery. So I, uh, my my brand's called Emmanuel's, and all, all the beers were sort of like Jesus themed, like Oh Hoppy Day, Jonah the Pale, and stuff. I was all all quite tongue in cheek. But w- whereas I found like mo- most people, it was either funny or kitsch or whatever, and they they really enjoyed it, you know, um, in the way that you might poke fun at Ned Flanders on The Simpsons. Like <laughs> there were there were some people that either got morally offended by it. Or would think that you know they'd come with their own baggage about the church or religion or whatever, and be all like, "Oh, you're just trying to convert me, trying to force religion down my throat." And I'd be like, "Well, I'm not trying to force. I'm just trying to force beer down your throat, and nothing else. You know, there's no other agenda to this." Um, but it's you know, it's it's I I had to face my inner demons um, when I was really sort of trying to grow that brand, and um, you know, it's taken a little bit of a backseat to hop forward for the time being, but. Um, you know, I was like, well, how, how am I going to scale this up if like, there are people that are really vocal about it? And I got tired of being nuts about it. And in, in the end, I, I, I kind of violated my one of my core principles and, and uh, a strap line I sort of say to myself, which is, you know, if you've got to stick to your guns if you want to be a cowboy. And um, it's very easy in the noise of social media and culture, in particular the way culture has gone over the last few years in particular, um, you know, where everyone's outraged by absolutely everything and offended by absolutely everything. And if you step out of line, there's a huge, even if it's just an honest mistake, there's a, there can be a massive social media pile on. Um, you know, it's, it, it can be really tough, but I I, I, I think, and I, I looked at possibly watering down the brand or changing it altogether and, and so on, And but it would have made the thing that's unique about it not unique anymore. And I'd, I would have just been another brewery in a, city full of breweries and um you know it's in the end i kind of decided it's a little bit like you know the band the darkness yeah um it's a little bit like the darkness like if they if they took themselves totally seriously and didn't wear all the spandex and all the rest of it you know i think some people just think they're just a bit lame but because they were like you know full-on cop rock and all the rest of it, and it was all—it was all a little bit over the top. That's what made him so epic, you know. It was—it was, it was—you know—the the handlebar mustaches and the bandanas and all the rest of it. That—that's what made that band so great, um, you know. Particularly on that, that when they first came out, and I think it's like that, you know. You, you, I think if you've got a brand like, like you said, like your brand or mine, or a brand that's a little bit more, you know, different, jars a bit in in some ways, or it might jar for some people. You've just got to own it. Well, that's the thing. I mean, it's if it's coming from, if it's at all influenced by a viewpoint, it's not going to be universally accepted. Yeah. You know, a, a can a can of beer with pretty colors um, that says this beer is tasty. Like the only thing you can really disagree with is you didn't like the color, and maybe you didn't think the beer was tasty. But you know, if you do anything more than that somebody is is going to not enjoy it or it's not going to be the thing for them um and i I do want to say that i'm i'm pretty pretty progressive generally and i live in the people's republic of uh holloway here with you know jc my uh my uh local mp um so i I, uh i want to make it clear that not disparaging any of the the recent social movements or whatever um but 
in general, some things are just not going to be for certain people. Yeah. They're, you know, and I, I'm really big on the, I don't like fence sitting. You either like something or you don't yeah. pick. Um, so you know what? I, I hate Oasis. So there you go. Like even, <laughs> I'm, uh, I'm, I'm ending this call right now. <laughs> no. no, I'm kidding. Um, but the, yeah. But the, um, <laughs> and somebody since, since you brought up your background, I mean, I'm basically somebody who since I think like age 14, my favorite band has been bad religion. Right. And so with a, with a band with the name bad religion, whose logo come up, which was come up with by a bunch of 18 year olds, um, which is a cross with a no smoking sign over it. It, you know, that's going to be a thing mm. and then throw in that the lead singer, um, got a PhD in evolutionary biology and work in politics and whatever, um, you know, wearing, wearing that t-shirt around small town America got a lot of, sh- a lot of, I was going to say shit. No, go for it. it. Yeah. <laughs> it, 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 got, it got a lot of things thrown at me verbally and physically. Um, so, you know, that's, that's kind of the background I'm coming from. Uh, there's a, there is the thread in punk rock, certain strains of it. Whereas this is punk rock. I don't care what you think. Um, and a lot of times those people are horrible and quasi not like there's, there's inappropriate and there's gross. And then there's like, racist and socially unacceptable there is some of that so i i want to stay on the this has a viewpoint i'm showing my life and myself um and that's that's kind of what i'm selling um it's it shouldn't be when you're thinking about things you don't like you should just not like them because they're not for you not because they're a horrible thing and nobody should like them yeah i mean I i think it's um there are some sort of universal truths and laws that are at work in everything you know in terms of like don't be an asshole to other people and and yeah and and so on and i think anything that's done in either the name of religion or or not religion or whatever you know whatever label you want to stick on anything you know if someone's just an idiot and treats the people like an idiot there's just nothing down for that regardless of what what your viewpoint is but if it's all good harmless fun you know then like who cares you know go go for it and stuff um just sort of moving away slightly from this topic just as we sort of round up um i'll be just quite interested to know as well so i mean i'm aware there's quite a lot of breweries in london and um i mean have you found and i guess particularly through the pandemic um which is obviously a huge game changer lo and behold breweries are still opening uh, at the moment but like how are you finding it setting up a brewery in london and and is is there a huge pressure to um even more so because you know london's so renowned for its breweries and its beer um is is there that, like a huge pressure to um to really have to stand out i mean you, you possibly you're gonna have to work harder than you know um, some of there, the I mean, breweries I, that I started i don't know before. that i i don't know that there's uh, an external pressure to stand out right. like i i want to stand out i want this to be a, a thing um somewhat somewhat for my own ego and you know this is you know my this is my life and this is where i've come to and this is hopefully the pinnacle of it or something like that um but yeah um i don't know i mean there have to be there have to be breweries that are completely adequate that make beer that doesn't do anything weird that is brewed properly that don't have standout branding i just think you generally have to you have to sell a lot of it mm. so 
Um, I think small breweries, I mean, I don't foresee this going beyond um, a little bit of a scale up from the five barrels. Um, but I think on that scale, you've got you've to be a standout in at least your community if you've got a tap room. Um, and uh, if you want people to travel, you've got, they've got to have a reason to travel. Um, you can, if you're in an area that's got 15 breweries that you can walk to, um, you can get away with out shouting from the rooftops and being ridiculous all the time because there's enough choice to bring a lot of different people in. Um, but I'm Camden town has Camden town breweries tap room, um, and me, and then the next closest places are two tribes, um, and Hammerton mm. and they're, you know, it's not a five minute walk. Um, we're looking at, uh, they're talking about building the Camden Highline, which is a big uh, raised garden on the old uh, railway uh, between Camden Town and uh, King's Cross. Right. So I'm hoping something like that happens. But um, yeah, I, I don't know. I think I would like to think in my heart of hearts that people making consistent quality beer are always going to do well no matter what and that's probably true but when you're at a very small scale you've got to you've got to do something to counteract the dearth of route to market hmm. yeah i mean there's a lot of competition out there for sure um but yeah you know i, I do definitely think that if, if you've got something unique and it appeals even to a subset of people you know, it's like if if those people are have a high buy in, in some ways it's it's much better than just appealing to occasionally to a, a, a broad set of people. Yeah. Um. It's you know it's, it works the same on social media with with um, you know Instagram for example. Like um, you can have someone like Kim Kardashian that's got like five million followers, but doesn't engage with them. So yeah. it's kind of like it's better to have five thousand followers all of whom are engaged with your content um, and commenting and buying stuff from you. If you, you know, if you're selling things um, yeah. rather than having millions that don't do anything, you know, it's like yeah. e ego, you know, e ego doesn't pay the bills. Does it exposure exposure doesn't pay off my mortgage? Yeah, we've got, I'm uh, I, I want to go into the, the concept of gimmick a little bit. Yeah, because go for that, it. The, uh, so, I am probably one of like, I'm really picky about the bands I like and people are like, well, you like this band, so you must like this band. And this has been a constant problem my entire life is people like, why don't you like this band that I like? You like this other band that I like and it, it doesn't make any sense. And there's a, there's some kind of je ne sais quoi. Sometimes it's the lead singer's voice. That's a big thing for me. But the other is I love a gimmick. Right. And if like, I love gimmick bands. So Guar is not only are they really, really good musicians, but a live show where 20 guys dressed up as space aliens feed Jerry Springer to a meat grinder and it sprays all over the audience. Um, that's commitment to a bit and <laughs> yeah. hasn't ever stopped. So if you don't know who Guar are, you probably didn't watch Beavis and Butthead um, when you were a kid. But Guar is an example of a, a gimmick band. Alice Cooper if you want to go more classically, yep. um, not the world's most amazing songwriter, but it, he's just got it. He's got a thing. 
Um, one of the newest bands in gimmick land for me uh, is Masked Intruder, uh, who are a pop punk band uh, that sing sappy love songs uh, about uh, breaking into your house while dressed in all black, uh, standard pop punk, uh, you know, black stretch jeans, black mm-hmm. t-shirt, but they're all wearing ski masks right. and uh, Converse Chuck Taylor all-stars that match. So you've got intruder red, intruder green, intruder blue, intruder yellow. And the lead singer is wearing a blue ski mask with a blue guitar and blue Chuck Taylors. And they all talk in a really bad New Jersey accent. And it's absolutely, it's amazingly good music and it's catchy and going to see them is awesome. Um, so that's, you know, when you, if you're going to, if you're going to have a bit, commit to the bit. And that's why places like I've gotten on really well with uh, Pete, who runs uh, Lost Boys Pizza in Camden, the world's only vampire pizza place. So it's themed after the Lost Boys film mm. and they make black charcoal pizza. And everything is horror movie and 80s themed, and it is glorious. It's the most fun you can do to go out and get a pizza. And if you want to talk about engaged followers, people that go there love it. And their their target is that that, you know, that gothy hot topic subset of of humans that are in the UK. Yeah. Um, and uh, I got contacted. You mentioned Whitby, um, the guy that runs the Whitby Goth and Dracula Festival has contacted me and he's like, we need werewolf beer to be at our events. And I'm like, that's it. Like I, you know, not everybody likes werewolves. A lot of people like werewolves and not a lot, not everybody likes what I'm doing, but the people that are going to be into it outside of people that just enjoy the beer are going to be into it. Yeah. No. uh, Yeah. That's, I mean, that rings true for me, for what you're saying, again, with Emmanuel, I, I got invited a couple of years back to, um, there's this big Christian music festival called Big Church Day Out. And um, they contacted me about providing beer. They, they, It's normally run somewhere down south, but they did one in Macclesfield, which is relatively close to Manchester. And they wanted my beers there. And I said, um, well, I'm, how many casks do you want me to bring? You know, should I bring like four? And they're like, oh no, just just, just bring two. You know, they're Christians, they don't drink much. <laughs> and then I, I, ro- I, ro- I rocked up and it's, the, you know, it's a, a northern brand of church goes different. They just saw these beer engines like, oh, beer, mate, amazing. You know, they're all excited. And I'm pulling these pints like really quick and they're loving it, you know, all over the beer names and stuff. And I said to the other guy, I was pulling pints, we were like, this isn't going to last you an hour, mate. And needless to say, it had gone. Oh, can, can we have some more? I was like, well, no, because I've got to drive back to Sheffield and then pick them up and back again and then go back again and then come back and get the bar the day after. So, you know, it was, but yeah, you know, when when when, pe- when you get a subset of people uh, into a niche, you know, um, and a, a, a subculture, it's I think the 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 markets there are huge. Again, it's it's I think there's a book about it called A Thousand True Fans. I don't know who wrote it. Um, Ooh, I'm going to look that up. Um, yeah, this I can't. I, I've not read it, but I, I know about it, um, and I've heard a few people talk about it before. But it's it's the the whole idea that you just need a thousand true fans that are like proper bought into what you're doing to make something a, a huge success. Um, and I I think it's the the, the problem is for um, and I'm not saying every brewery has to be a a, a themed brewery. Um, or have a gimmick by by any stretch, but I definitely think every brewery needs needs their angle and their story and to work out who their customers are, 
and obviously the the more the more niche you go, the the more um, you're going to tap into a particular either mindset or people are into a particular thing. Um, like you know, obviously like yours with the horror films and stuff. Um, whereas, like you said earlier, you know that the, the uh, if it's all about the a colourful can and a decent beer that's on a supermarket shelf, then you're playing the volumes game by that point. Basically, just has to stand out from a volume perspective. Is is my, is consumer X going to pick this beer over its competitors, the competitors' beer, which is the next beer on the shelf? And why why will they do that? And well, because it's a colourful can rather than a black can or whatever. Um, oh, this this can's got a gold lid rather than a silver lid like the rest of them. You know, and it, it's it sounds ridiculous, but that's just when you get into that realm of branding and stuff, it it. it it ends up being like that unfortunately yeah the um one i i did want to go pretty professional with the brand yep and so i've brought in uh my friend paul who has uh manicor artwork and he's done he does big big brand stuff and he's i i think probably the easiest ones to bring up are like russian standard vodka and innocent gun right and things like that so uh, I wanted, you know, I didn't want cartoons and I didn't want something that didn't look slick. Yeah. So that's that's where where we're kind of going with that. So yeah. there will be a lot of considerations about what will make people pick up a can. But, um, yeah, it's uh, yeah, we're 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 going for our, uh, as you say, our thousand true fans, which I think I'm on the way. I'm going to men- I'm going to give a shout out to Richard John Smith who is a man that has, I think it's called the uh, the Thor arms. He's built a whole, like, Viking, uh, like, working men's club in his back garden. Amazing. And it, it is absolutely amazing. Like, and, you know, you, you, you know, when you see, like, I don't know, like a lad Bible article about man has pub in back yeah, garden. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Hell, they spent more than their house. Like, <laughs> I don't think he spent more than his house, but this thing is awesome. I mean, it's like the sign is in runes. Like, so there's a Viking man that wants wants to have my beer in his back garden pub. And he is always on social media with me. And this guy is amazing. So I know I've got my one, one true fan. So I just need another 999. Yeah, that sounds great. I'm um, reading um, the How to Train Your Dragon series with my daughter. You know, which is if anyone's not read those children's books, it's obviously about Vikings and stuff. But um, she she she'd love to go there. <laughs> I'm sure I'm sure it's probably the only pub where she would happily go sit while I drink some beer. I, I'm sure they could come up with a Shirley Temple or something. Yeah, um, I, I kind of feel like I could chat to you all day over a beer, and and I hope sooner or later, you know, we'll be able to next next time I come down to London, I'll uh, I'll have to swing by. But it's it's been amazing having you on the show. And I'll I'll definitely uh, throw you some cheese your way for your crowdfunding campaign. So for for any of our listeners, it's, it's live now. If you're listening to this in uh, April, um, but how, how can people donate and give some cash to you? Yeah, so it's a uh, crowdfunder.co.uk/slash/werewolfbeer, um, and if you want to find us, werewolfbeer.com and Twitter, Instagram, uh, Facebook, it's at werewolfbeer. I mean, I've also got Pinterest and TikTok, um, but I don't know what to do with those. Um, so yeah, we're we're everywhere, and I think we're pretty easy to find. Just don't stray off the path. 
Uh, yeah. Keep yeah. uh, <laughs> off the moors and beware the moon. Yeah, that's that's the one. <laughs> well, it's that time again at the bar for another week of the Hot Four podcast. Don't forget to subscribe to the show on iTunes, Spotify, and all other good platforms. Be sure to visit hotforward.beer to find out how we can help you get ahead in the brewing and beer business. We make your beer look as good as it tastes, and we help you brew up a better business through branding, marketing, and consultancy. Remember to follow us on social media at Hot Forward Beers, and for another week, cheers. Cheers.